0: On this episode of The Clappers, we're talking Heritage Rock, oh, Gang of Four, U2, Susie Quattro.
1: So you may want to turn off. Will it never stop? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not for you. We're revisiting The
0: King. <laughs> yes. And we're talking Pedro Almodovar's. Oh Play yes, this movie. and
1: glory. Yes, y gloria. Welcome to The Clappers. This is Andrew Young. This is Carl Quinn. And we're back again. So we went and saw Gang of Four. I was I was Carl's guest. I went and saw Gang of Four for free. You were my as Carl's Christian. guest. Yeah. And I left after three songs. Oh, did you? How long How long did you stay for? The bitter end. You stayed all the way through to the end. Yeah. And because, as far as I was concerned, that was entertainment.
0: <laughs> mm. <laughs> For those who don't know, yes. Gang That's of a Four, song about the jam. <laughs> Gang of Four were, uh, I guess you call them, well, you sort of call them a punk band. They were a post-punk band, I think. Yeah, really, agit pop, agit pop, yeah.
1: Who who played very angular. Uh, abrasive, jagged music that I think made the most of their shortcomings in a way that so many post-pop British bands did.
0: Their defining album was their first album mm-hmm. called Entertainment, yep. and this show, this tour, was basically their playing Entertainment mm-hmm. in, in its entirety, although not in its original track order, no. and with the occasional interspersal of an, uh, uh, tracks that were not on the album. Yep. So, which yeah. is which is fine. Which is fine. I have, to I have
1: that. No, that is not what drove me. I'm, I'm guessing you, not you did not enjoy this show from the building. <laughs> A couple of things. Well, again, very briefly, the ethos of punk and especially the post punk movement was anti corporate entertainment, anti cannons and explosions and makeup and huge stages and set pieces. It was the opposite of a Kiss or a Pink Floyd or a Rolling Stones arena show. The idea was almost that the players themselves would be anonymous. They wouldn't even have lights on them sometimes, they'd have their heads down playing and hoping that the focus would be on the enjoyment of the scene, on the audience being as important as the band on stage. Okay. And that's, that's fine and good and some bands did that well. Some bands still managed to, to uh, make themselves well-known and beautiful and popular like you know, Blondie or, or uh, The Jam. You know, They both had performances and lights and everything. And what I found disturbing... And offensive was the rock star histrionics that were going on from the, from the moment the show began with the, the Pete Townsend, Jimi Hendrix, guitar bashing, the, the, the chin jutted out towards the audience in this kind of mock challenge, especially from a, shall we say, beefy, pot-bellied, almost septuagenarian, bleach-blonde-haired guitarist. It's, it's, I've never liked that kind of thing. And I'm, I'm just going to take porotic. issue with your description. Yeah.
0: I think he's about 60. Okay. His hair is grey, not bleached blonde. Okay, it was the lights. He doesn't have a pot belly. (laughs)
1: He's a pretty good nick, really. Okay. Uh, This this is Andy Gill, who was the original guitarist. As a man himself who was groaning with excessive weight. Um, I've seen him as a fellow traveller. But, no, I I found that the whole performance embarrassing and ludicrous. And I also – and this is nobody's fault. It's just that we live in the 21st century, so they have a 21st century sound. You can't expect a band to sound like they did – Almost forty years ago, and um, well, 40, drum, forty years ago. In yeah, fact, drum sounds have changed, and we were listening to a 21st century drum sound and a 21st century bass sound, and that to me didn't jibe well with the sound of the band. And that, that I've got no no real gripe about that. You, you can't expect to hear this, you know, exact museum kind of replica piece brought out for your enjoyment. And and I'm not sure if I would have wanted to hear that, but I did find that 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 that, 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 that the actual sound Was not something that particularly suited my uh, enjoyment of that band and that band's music. A a band whose sound is as as important as its tunes and its songs. Did you read my review? I did. Yeah. Um, Did you find
0: anything to agree
1: with? If I said I didn't, (laughs) no, no. I I fully (laughs) expect you to say you didn't. No, no. I did. It was very brief. Uh, I'm going to be using that word a lot in this podcast. Are you? Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. I did. I, well, there was it was there was there was nothing controversial in your review, you know, what what is a band? Is a band its members is it uh, uh, mentioning the jam, you know, there's this band that's been going around called From the Jam, which has two members. There was only three members of the jam, two members of the jam and about three or four other people playing all the jam songs and fans of the jam pack out their gigs. A lot of people would say the fact that the singer and songwriter of that band has no interest in a reformation and has nothing to do with this from the jam makes it a a weird kind of exercise and something that, doesn't necessarily have the authenticity that the actual band itself would have. Okay. Well, you're skipping, skipping some
0: crucial factoids yes. here. Okay. So well, you're, this –
1: You're here to provide them. That's very good. That's why you're So here.
0: this iteration of Gang of Four yes. has only one member of the yes. original lineup, and that's yes. Andy Gill, the guitarist, yeah. the aforementioned pop-bellied bleach blonde, mm. yeah. uh, jaw, jaw-jutting, histrionic poser. 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 Uh, of which I'd agree with maybe about ten to fifteen percent of that okay. description, but right. you know, uh, you, let, let's let that slide. Let's slide. You are the heritage rock <laughs> fan, non So, so as I as I wrote, guitarist Andy Gill, so crucial to that angular sound, is the sole remaining member of the original lineup, making this touring outfit less gang of four than gang of one plus three um and then don't uh, stop there read the whole thing the question of authenticity hovered in the air at what point does a band cease to be itself and become a tribute act instead now i i don't begrudge them coming and performing or wanting to perform what is a great album a fantastic album defining album Mm -hmm. of that era i I was perfectly happy to hear them those songs played live in their sometimes ear splitting intensity and that's part of the the sort of pleasure slash pain of the whole yeah. experience. That's okay. I'm, I'm down yeah. with that. The three other members of the band are about half the age of Andy Gill mm-hmm. and the lead singer in particular, John Jay Lesteri, is a guy who seems born to front a rock band right and, and front, the ethos fronts that band he did and i think the way you've described the ethos of, of post punk although i wouldn't say that every no, uh, band that sure, came out of that sure. moment no, that's fine. was exactly the same but i'd no. say in broad terms that's fairly fairly serviceable as, as a description of what they're about it wasn't oh, about well you know <laughs> it's not about rick wakeman with two keyboards and no. the long flowing hair and the flashing lights and all no, that it's no. a, it's about a much more stripped back kind yeah. of moment and I don't think that he got the memo on that. No, he did not
1: get the memo. There was a beautiful – well, not beautiful, maybe not even delicious, but an interesting competition going on on stage between the two of them in terms of who can – Who's the front man. Who is the front man of this band. Yeah, absolutely. And, again, that kind of battle is not what I would have expected or wanted to see in that band. Now, had I been seeing Kiss – and had there been a battle between Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley about it, not that I'm You'd sure you've been down there was. for that, but it would have been classic. smeared makeup. It would, would have be been classic. <laughs> I would love to see that, but but no, and and,
0: and Gene would get his tongue out, whip,
1: whip and, and Paul around the ears.
0: <laughs> the guy who wrote those those lyrics and sang those songs is not part of this touring lineup, mm-hmm. and that does feel a little bit odd. And mostly, what it feels like is that the John J. Listeri, mm-hmm. the singer is it's like he was in excess as as i wrote in my review he he doesn't so much own the songs as keep up with the rent you know it's it's like it's weird because yeah. th- those were song those were songs that are so uniquely
1: of one one kind of creative team one credit so much collaboration. On this, but but that's the same kind of th- feeling that some people might have with from the jam having yeah. a bloke standing yeah. there singing paul Weller's songs yeah. who is not paul Weller, who is Distances himself as far from his past as a, a teenage um, voice of a generation as is possible for a man in his sixties to do. Now, that, what that I thought said, was no, I would take a slight point uh,
0: yeah. issue there. He does play some jam songs live. He does, right? oh, so he oh, it doesn't, oh, so, doesn't disown.
1: Okay, no, he, does, he disowns the the idea of bands getting back together yeah. and playing all their old yeah, hits yeah, yeah. and yeah. everything like that. Doesn't disown his songs. Yeah. No, no, no. So you two, yeah, okay. you two. One of the things that I found, um, again. Risible, but also kind of sickening is their posturing, is how they went from a band who just looked like a bunch of guys playing music and doing it in the post-punk style to waving flags and playing in stadiums with big fire and explosions and all that nonsense, right? That's one of the things that I find so, I mean, I just can't bear it. Looking at those photographs that you took with your phone, it looked like they were trying as much as possible to make themselves anonymous, and just looked like it was all screens and, and visuals, and they themselves have no lights on them, heads down, playing. Having not been in the concert, you can correct me. Um, and, and I thought, wow, how strange a gang of four are trying to be like you two. And you two, who were very much into those you know, bands like Joy Division and, and uh, the early post punk group, seemed to be reverting back to a kind of level of on stage anonymity and having some other kind of show taking everybody's attention away from watching the musicians. So, yes.
0: I I have seen you 2 once before this tour, Mm -hmm. which was in 1984. That was the first time they toured Australia, and that was a bare-bones show. It was basically – I saw them in Brisbane at Festival Hall, um, and they were basically the four of them on stage. And I think the flashiest it got from my recollection is Bono taking a spotlight and shining it over the crowd while everybody's singing Sunday Bloody Sunday. Okay. and it was like a, an incredibly powerful moment right? right and everybody left left that arena singing that song and i would say feeling like they they'd been part of a mass communal experience right okay. now yeah. you can you can you know you can have all your concerns about moony kind of cult kind of yeah. stuff going on and there's a bit of that but i think it was a, one of the one of the best p- concerts i've ever been to right and so i saw them Twice on this mm. tour, I saw them in auckland I was I was flown over to yep. do a preview kind of story and by the touring company yeah by yep. Live nation, yes, and uh, I saw them doing a sound check, right They did mm. five songs there were about, about twenty of us in in the stadium while they did these five songs, and we saw some of the video stuff and so on. And they came down and had a chat and all the rest of it. And it was like, well, I bet they haven't played to a crowd that size since about 1976. Yes. It was quite and it's so it felt well, Really, and they have sound checks. Of, of course, yeah, but music. not not with people who are not part of the touring party generally. Okay. Apparently, oh. they've done that once before okay. in their career in Dublin once upon a okay. time. So, all right. um, so it was a bit special, right? Yeah. Then I saw the show. It was pretty great, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, then last, you know, a week later, I saw it again in Melbourne, and it was actually better. I mean, they hadn't played that show for two okay. years, so it was r- nice. they were easing. Well, they're finding their way back into it, yeah. And they added, a, they added "I Will Follow" to the set list mm-hmm. in Melbourne, and that is that the first their, song that I first ever single. saw them do on their, Simon Townsend's Wonderworld in 1981. Need to know. Actually, their second single, yeah. Uh, I think uh, I think it was 11 o'clock. TikTok was their first. Uh, I think that was their second. Is my recollection. But, you know, we'll leave that to the yeah, we'll leave look that that up to on the, the transporters. Yes, people can look that up. <laughs> um, and it was great. I mean, yeah. it's a great show. But it is it is a show. I mean, as with all of these sort of big stadium shows, mm. it's not about a band getting up and playing some songs in isolation. It's about that as part of a production, a big show. You know, this is put together by the same people who put together Lady Gaga's shows mm. and, and – uh, Taylor Swift shows. You know, so what like, I was asking it's production. you was, is it the focus on... It's both.
1: So this Bo show, leaning over this the is the Joshua Tree tour, right? This
0: is Joshua... No, there's no flags. This okay. is Joshua Tree tour, right? Flames. Where they're playing... No, Flames. Where okay. they're playing the Joshua Tree, which is their biggest selling album, sold okay. 26 million copies. Is the one that really broke them in a major, major way. Yep. Um, and they played that as a sort of second act of a three-act show. Mm-hmm. And the first act is basically they come out to a B stage, which is like 20 metres out from the main stage, Mm. and there's... You don't even notice it first. It's just a drum kit there, yeah. right? And so they walk out one by one. So Larry Mullen Jr. comes out, sits down at the kit and starts playing, and it's Sunday, Bloody Sunday, and you, you kind of get it straight away from, from the drums. That, yeah. That. And then mm-hmm. out, out comes the edge playing the guitar. Of course, you know, it's all radio mics, so there's no, there's no risers. Yeah. There's none of yeah. that stuff. So they're very mobile. And then out comes Bono and out comes Adam Clayton. And, and they, they're basically out on this little stage, mm-hmm. just spotlights, right, mm-hmm. all dressed in black. And it's basically, to my mind, it was like, oh, that's what they were like in 1984 when I saw them the first time around. Mm -hmm. So very cool. And they did a little short set there of five or six songs. And then they go back up to the main stage where now the sun has gone down. And the screen, because, I mean, it start, they start at about 8.30 whatever, so oh, okay. by the time they go up there, yeah. it's dark, right? Okay. And the screen comes to life, this massive red screen, mm. and at the top of it is this Joshua Tree shape, sort of protrusion, mm. abstract kind of thing that's meant to represent the tree. And then that screen becomes a major part of the Joshua Tree act of the yeah. show. And there's this film shot by Anton Corbin, who mm. made uh, Control, mm. the Joy Division film, and made Life, the James Dean movie. Um, and... It, they're beautiful. They're yeah. beautiful, and at that point they the are kind of small. Album. He did the photography of the album. That's right. Yeah. Um, so they're kind of small. Yeah. Occasionally you get them up on screen, as you uh, do with most concerts with yeah, video, yeah, videos. Videos, yeah, you see yeah. the band, but mostly it's not about them. It's about it's other stuff, yeah. and they're these little specks in front of mm-hmm. these beautiful movies that are playing out. Um, each one of them are a little sort of conceptual piece, you know, mm. with a usually just a simple idea executed yeah. beautifully, and then at the end of that, they they go off. Yeah. And then there's an encore, like an eight song encore, and that's effectively the third act. Yeah. And the screen is in use again, but it's more of your traditional show with them sort of often being sort of front on and center on the screen. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, this, they're getting close to 60, and yes. you don't necessarily want to see their faces in like massive close up, which is maybe what the video technology does. Yes. Gives you it's pretty unforgiving. Face. But I'm pretty unforgiving. You are very unforgiving. unforgiving. Uh, look, I would say. It was a great show. Yes, I think, uh, I'm sure you have. Uh, I think Melbourne in particular was a, was, was great. Yeah. The sound quality yeah. in stadium shows, outdoor shows generally, yeah. it's not fantastic. No. I mean, wind comes and messes with it mm-hmm. and, you know, echo and reverb and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. I, where I was, it was pretty good. I, I read lots of comments on my, on my review uh, of it that, that basically said they had terrible sound yeah. or, or a few comments. I shouldn't yeah, say a lot. Yeah, Probably about, yeah. you know. One in five was saying my sound was terrible where mm-hmm. I was. Lots of people saying the sound was great. So,
1: I went and saw a film called *Pain and Glory*. Have you ah, seen that I film? have. I have seen you that have? film. Yeah, Pedro Almodovar. Yes, I think I'm the. Co- I think I've seen a lot of Pedro Almodovar films, but then I think. I haven't, because there are all these ones that I haven't seen. I, I think of myself. He's made quite as, a few. As a fan of Pedro Almodovar, right. I love his films. I love his cast. I love the way he, the ones he's still talking to. Yes, the <laughs> way he trawls. Well, I, I still, I still love him. Yeah. I, I love the way he trawls through his childhood and his past and his his adolescence to, um, you know, populate. His I don't think he's ever trawled quite anecdotes. as much as he does in this one. I wonder if not Volver, because there's a scene in this film where mm. this is a film about a man called Salvador Mallow I think, who used to be a great filmmaker, hasn't done anything. He's suffering from some awful back pain and feels unable to physically make a film or complete a film, and it's about him. But what I found most delightful and hot. Heart- Um, warming and beautiful were the scenes where he goes back to his, where we go back to his childhood with him as a little boy and his mum played by Penelope Cruz. There is a scene in the film, I'm not spoiling anything, where his mum is living. It's a flashback. He's talking to his mum. She's very, very old and and close to death. And she complains to him about him using her neighbours and her friends and her stories in his film. And there's a film that I love by him called Volver, which I suspected was – A largely a product of him, you know, plundering his mother and her friends and her neighbours' stories and lives to to populate what is a a very rich and enjoyable film. So, let me uh, well tell me what did you what did you think of? I really enjoyed it. I I thought it was. you know,
0: it's like a lot of his films in that it, it, it tends to be a little bit rambling at times and you mm-hmm. kind of, where are we going with this? You know, what mm-hmm. what is the actual narrative thrust here? Not not
1: really any, uh, is there? Well, getting over his back problem, I yeah, would say. It's probably... <laughs> really? Hey, I've got a great idea for a film. He's a guy. <laughs> he's pretty old. He used to be really well known, but he doesn't do anything now because he's got a sore back. Okay. <laughs> And, and, and then what happens? And it's really sore. <laughs> like, it really he goes to see the doctor, and it's sore, and then he's got this other problem, and they work out what it is, and his back's still sore, and oh, and then he remembers his mum. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. You'll love it. You'll yeah, love yeah. this film. Who's in it? <laughs> oh, all these Spanish people you have heard of him? <laughs> so,
0: so, so we'll get Disney to make this then, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah? It is not a Marvel movie. It's no, fair stop. to say. It's, um,
1: a, it's very funny how he reunites with he, – he had a fight with his main star when they brought out a film and he wasn't happy with the way his, his star behaved and acted during the film. Thought he ruined the film. They're doing a retrospective on the film. They want him to come and – 30 years on. 30 yeah. years on. They want yeah. him to come and present it. He hasn't spoken to his mate, the star. So he goes and fronts up at his door. One thing leads to another and he starts taking heroin. Mm. And – never normally the funniest part of a film a uh, guy taking or smoking in this case smoking heroin but it's bizarre and strange and somehow comical that he he becomes a habitual heroin smoker
0: it becomes less comical yeah. i think it becomes like you go where the hell is this going well
1: it, i yeah. think the film ended in a really sad i was oh, very totally, totally, satisfied totally, but, the end but, of the but film. while he's yeah. while he's
0: becoming more and more you are
1: you are concerned in the grip you are of concerned. the dragon and what's interesting of course is that none of these characters behave as you would expect them to. Whatever you think one character is going to do, he actually doesn't do that. He does something else. His friend, you're a little bit – well, his ex-friend, the, the ex-star who's trying to get some projects happening on his own, I immediately suspected of being a nefarious character right. straight away and untrustworthy and sly. And, and
0: I think that character is actually based on Antonio Banderas. Really? Yeah, apparently they had a terrible falling really? out, okay. which I, I
1: don't, know, I don't okay. know a lot about that, but okay. I gather that
0: that – Kind how interesting. Of, yeah. How interesting. But I mean he he also had um like a – was it a Carmen Mora? He had yeah. a terrible falling mm-hmm. out with her. So I mean you could almost substitute any number any, of his yeah, former actors,
1: yeah. I think, in that in that role. But yeah. I recommend this film. Yeah. I think it's absolutely adorable and delightful and moving. I was the last scene, it's it's you don't often get to say this, but I was wondering how is this film gonna end? This isn't no her story. Is his back will his back ever get better? And so if you go to see this film and you're enjoying it, you can rest assured that you're going to enjoy it right up until the very final part where they put the words on the screen. My,
0: my, my favourite bit, mm-hmm. and, and this is a weird thing to say, mm-hmm. it was the scenes of abject poverty when they were living in the cave. In the cave. You know, they were kind of nudges mm-hmm. at here's the psychology in, in Pain and Glory, but really, yeah. well, it's more, more his, sexuality, his sexuality, I think. <laughs>
1: I thought that was deft and nuanced and not heavy at all. Not heavy no. At all. No. No. no, I think it's a really great yeah, film, really I, nice film. I, I was yeah. so happy. A film we've both seen. Go Another on. film we've both seen. No way. Yes. What are yes. the odds? Not good. <laughs> the odds are not good. Have you been Carl? on holiday or
0: something? I mean, what's this, are you getting out to the movies? I don't well, know no, well,
1: okay, yes, it's true. I've, I have, since we've last met, I have seen two films yeah. at the actual real-life cinema. Good Lord, okay? Matt. Good Lord. But this one I watched on my television screen because yeah. it, it. you saw it on the big screen, yeah. but it became available almost immediately after you mentioned it at last, uh, on Netflix, I think. Are we
0: talking The Irishman?
1: We're talking The King. Oh, The King, yes. The King. Yeah. Which I, – I hope you enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. Can't, I, I can't wait to watch it again. Yeah, right. It's, it's very easy to take the Shakespearean version of Henry V as the – the As gospel. only one yeah. it's the only thing yeah. that you only way you can see this film yeah. this this life adapted for this day or for the screen and it has been done so many times really well yeah. uh, and a lot of that is to do with the poetry and the language uh, when the uh, the French envoy goes to see Henry and after he's done the sent the tennis balls, you know, and then he sends back the cannonballs and he says, we would not seek a battle as we are, nor as we are should we refuse it. That's a delightful part of the play. In real life, of course, Henry was planning for this, for the re-taking uh, of the English kingdom of France from the moment he was crowned. He had armourers and fletchers and bowyers and every kind of warlike um, office, ministry, craft and trade at work producing everything that was needed for when the the eventual invasion would begin. And he sent a letter to France saying something like, you know, by the bowels of Jesus Christ, give me what you owe. He was a very warlike prince, and not at all. <laughs> well, I'm just here being peaceful person and we, we're really not after a fight, but if you're going to force us to fight, well, I guess we're going to fight. We've only got 100 guys, you know. Right. Um, so so uh, it's his, his – Warlike man is 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 even greater than any anything that you've ever seen portrayed. He was he was he was fighting in battles with his father from when he was twelve or thirteen. He received an arrow wound in his face, which you see in the film. You see that little three pointed thing in his cheek. That was him getting an arrow in the face yeah. when he was fifteen, and I. Saw an amazing clip where they produced the tool, this amazingly engineered tool from the mi- Middle Ages that they would use to retract. I think you've an arrow. talked about this on this on this podcast before. You know, I think. Oh, good. I think I'm, I'm I think re- we've I'm just re- found re- Andrew Young's I'm special re- subject. Recycling. <laughs> so. Welcome to Mastermind. Uh, so it's, it's, the arrows are barbed, and so as you, if you pull them out, yeah. you're going to pull out the whole face. Yeah. So a very tricky little screwed device had to be inserted into his cheek to twist and pull, and, and it, it worked. And there's a very little scar that he gets. But the film is great. Phew, I wondered if we were ever going to get there. The film is great. Robert Pattinson is hilarious as the Dauphin. Robert who? Robert Pattinson. Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. <laughs> Robert Pattinson. <laughs> Sorry. He's from that film <laughs> Twilight. <laughs> Robert Pattinson is <laughs> delicious as a Doe fan. He's hilarious. He is hilarious, isn't it? And whoever the guy is, I think he's an Irishman or something, who plays um, Charles, the king, um, he's also hilarious as well. Uh, I'm uh, the, the, the bloke, the young fella from Chalamet. Call Me By Name. Tim Timothy Mate, Chalamet. Chalamet. He's wonderful as well. He, Although he, he I would, a, I would a say, a say almost
0: my only criticism of mm-hmm. the film mm-hmm. is that it's guilty of whisper-talking.
1: Oh yeah there's a lot of that very oh, yes. very quiet well, in the of absence dialogue. of shakespearean language in yes. the absence of iambic pentameter you can tell me that the
0: words don't matter
1: Might they, as well just no. mutter no they had to do something to make <laughs> the words matter the words of, there there was some a, the, a
0: slight hearing thing we need to make the words mutter mm. uh, no 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 i said matter damn you not
1: mutter i i also I do have a criticism, which I'll get to, but I loved how it was lit and how it was shot. It was v- from the moment, yep. the very first scene, it was so dramatic and yep. exciting and 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 just exhilarating. Watching uh, the whole the whole thing unfold, where whereby uh, you know. Percy Hotspur is uh, uh, has, has formed an army a- against the king. And Murdoch, who represents the Scots, who have always wanted to try and come back.
0: And okay, come, enough of the plot. Enough of the oh, plot. Okay, yeah, right. but, but, you know, so what's your criticism? What's, uh,
1: what's the thing you didn't like? Full man. You didn't
0: like Joel Edgerton? Well,
1: well no, no, no. It's not that I didn't like him. I didn't see the point. You right. I couldn't quite see the point of Falstaff in this.
0: In, He's almost like the only bit of Shakespeare that's left in the play, in the film, I, I well, think.
1: the only bit of Shakespeare yeah. that's left in the play. There's no pistol. There's no Fluellen. Um, there's uh, certainly no Chris, St. Christmas Day speech. There's no, nothing. Which is even so mention, bold. Doesn't even mention that – what's Is it the 25th of October today? No, it's 24th, 25th. Something's happening. Oh, I can't remember. No, nothing is mentioned. Oh, okay, two criticisms. Go on. Okay. Two. Yeah, in mm. real life. Yeah, IRL. Yeah, go on. I know. Okay, it is a film. (laughs) I know. All right. I know. Um, The battlefield was shaped differently and it had been raining and most of the men had dysentery. Half their force had been depleted, the British, the Uh English, half Uh their force Uh had been depleted and they were not as – Pink cheeked and ruddy and robust as the the film uh, presents. You know that because you've seen the photos. I've seen the photos in colour. Yeah, I've in seen, colour. Yeah. I've seen the, the um, Robert Kappa photos uh, from, from, <laughs> yeah. from from okay from, and uh, for 2015. Oh, and, well, yeah, just that, just that. Like right. it's it, it it we should have seen. It's much nicer to film in the daytime when the sun is shining, and it's a lot easier on everybody. But it would have been better if it had been torrential downpour and people spewing their guts. Well, and,
0: we do have. I mean, you have to have to acknowledge that the battle scene plays out in a field that mm, is muddy that
1: beyond, that is
0: inexplicably
1: muddy. <laughs> I love the battle. It's a very exciting battle. The battle is battle. amazing. I'm sorry they didn't show what happened where the French sent a, a, a force of knights to the rear, to the, the baggage train, to slaughter all the boys and cooks and non-combatants and to steal the, the, all the jewellery and the crown and all the all the, you know, the wealthy uh, uh, attributes and, and gowns and all the stuff that they bring. They brought a whole city with them. You know, There's a lot of things. There's a, a book which I hold in my lap. Which I read a few years ago by Juliet Barker, called Agincourt. It lists everything. They've got the records of every piece of bread, every arrow, every barrel of ale, every person. That it, they've, it's amazing what they took. And if if you find this kind of thing interesting, I, I'm
0: just thinking word. it sounds like a riveting <laughs> read. <laughs>
1: I think it's, it's, it's like it's like here's Andrew Young's shopping list from the fridge. We're just going to print it. And of course, it could follow it up with Conquest, her book on the Hundred Years' War, which followed a few years later. Both books riveting. So riveting. Okay, yeah, I'm sure. L- list me out, yeah.
0: bag man. Okay, so now yeah. is that it in terms of your criticisms? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're was, done.
1: I could watch. I could. I could go home and watch it right away. Yeah. And derive maybe even more enjoyment yeah. out of it. I thought it looked fantastic. The battle scenes were great. There there was there was that little in, enjoyable there's a there's some very sweet scenes. Le naise, de nails, where the 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 new French queen is trying to learn. Do you remember trying yeah, to learn yeah. English? They didn't have Johnny, the, Johnny Depp's daughter. They didn't. They didn't have that. You always come up with the important stuff. They yes, didn't have thank that, you. But they did have thank some you. nice scenes. Uh, sorry, sorry, I can't compete <laughs> on the list of bread baskets. But there you go. <laughs> they did have some nice scenes between them. I thought. Yeah. And, and they you know.
0: Given yeah. that she is Lily Rose Depp, she is mm. uh, Johnny Depp's daughter, I, mm. I'd like to see mm. the list of wine expenditure because oh, okay. that She would likes be. wine, doesn't No, Johnny, oh. Johnny.
1: Is
0: he there? <laughs> no, no, no. He, there was the, oh, – I was probably getting on from 18 months ago now where mm. he got into a, a huge financial bother. He was in a legal dispute with his, his former managers. And, uh, it, not it, his wine merchant. <laughs> no, no, not his wine merchant, but it turned out he had a $30,000 a month wine habit. Wow. <laughs> I mean, look, that may have been just one that bottle r- of a really, really is good wine.
1: <laughs> Elton John's $30,000 a week <laughs> habit. That's a lot of money on wine. That is a lot of money. Uh, so, it, it, I believe it can still be seen. Of Netflix, course, it, it's on Netflix. Film? I mean,
0: yeah. I, I saw it at the cinema and mm. if... You can jealous. find it if you can find it somewhere. It would be great I would to say it go and see it on a big yeah. screen because
1: it yeah. looks fantastic. Yeah. It looks amazing. It, of course, you can't have the volume control and you can't put the subtitles up. That's if true, You're that's having true. trouble with the, yeah, yeah. the muttering and the mumbling. It's like an REM record. <laughs> you can't understand a word. Wouldn't I, I look? I I I, I could. Um, maybe I was crunching on some delicious biscuit and I had to put the subtitles on from time to time. I can't, I can't remember, but I thoroughly enjoyed this film. Well, I hope you kept a full list of what you consumed while watching The King. I thoroughly enjoyed No, no, one. I don't. No, I
0: don't. <laughs> no, it's great. Check it out. It's on Netflix. Uh, directed by David Michaud, the Australian of course, who of made course, Animal, Animal Kingdom, Kingdom and co-written by Michaud or Michaud, I think, and, and, uh, Joel Edgerton mm-hmm. and, uh, Joel is in fact up for three actor awards on okay. the actor, for this. Yeah, for the, this. the actors are on December four. So uh, you can watch them on tele.
1: acting he's ever. No, done. no.
0: So he's up. He's up for best supporting actor. Yep. He's up for
1: best screenplay. Yep. And he's up for best film. Okay. Right. Good.
0: Because he's one of the producers. Therefore, he, uh, yep, I noticed that.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, no criticism. I just thought it was a very strange mm. and interesting route to take to mm. put a completely fictional person and can have none of the shakes. You just. Odd, and I couldn't really see what he was doing mm. in the film. Mm. I enjoyed his performance. I, I,
0: I did. But, but it was. I, I didn't it not did not enjoy it. did feel his like, performance, like it was a performance was... that
1: had accidentally
0: wandered in from a different film. That's, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> sticking with the theme of Heritage Rock. Oh, dear. <laughs> Let's not. Let's end.
1: <laughs> no, Thank no. you for listening to but, the but
0: Nah, don't be like that. It's also a movie. So okay. yeah, it ticks two boxes. Susie Q. Of Heritage Rock. N- well, sort of. Documentary, Susie Q. Okay. About Susie yep. Quattro. Yep, no Susie Quattro. Loved Susie Quattro when I was a kid. Well, you might enjoy this, right? Okay. It's made right. by a bunch of Melbourne filmmakers. Oh, um, okay. And it is just a really great doco that celebrates mm. her significance as a, yes. as basically one of the first sort of rocking women mm. uh, in, in music. And I mean, obviously, there have been plenty of women who'd been singers and plenty of women
1: who'd been bass players. Bass player, really? Joan, Joan but, Jett, I think, is No, base. no, after, after though. No, no, so but I'm just, I'm, just yeah, thinking, yeah, yeah, I'm just thinking of yeah, female yeah, bass yeah. players off the top of my head in rock
0: bands. Yeah, yeah. But it's yeah. at that, Weymouth, that point in time, so she, she breaks through no, in she's, 1973. She's, she's, she's so you have Joan Jett ones. interviewed in this. You have Tina yeah. Weymouth interviewed yep. in this. You have Alice Cooper. You have a whole range of people. You have, uh, mm-hmm. uh, what's her name, Sherry Curry from The Runaways. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a lot of people talking to the significance of Susie Quattro in this. Kim mm-hmm. Gordon, did they talk to her? No Kim, no, Kim Gordon's not in it. Kim no. Deal? Talked to and her? No, okay. no. They haven't talked to every single female bass player on oh. the planet. Okay, just checking, just checking.
1: L7, do they catch up with L7? Yes. Oh, good. Yes. Good. Yes. good. Yes. Great. Um, happy now? Yes, can we move on? I was I was happy already. I wasn't <laughs> asking about Kim Deal and Kim Gordon doesn't automatically make you unhappy. I know no, you no, might think no, so, no, given no, the music. No.
0: But no. no. Anyway, it's, yeah. it's it's great fun. It's a yeah. really it's a really good story. It tells her personal uh, tale. I think really pretty well. Yep. Uh, in, you know, she started off in a in a, a band. Uh, her father was a musician. Yeah. He he had four daughters. Put them all in a band. It's the Quattro. Yep. And <laughs> I think Quattro was actually their name. I oh don't, really? Yeah. I think That's so That's a real yeah. name Yeah I think so Yes And um, and then she sort of Got talent spotted She was the youngest yeah. in, in the band She got talent spotted And sort of like We're going to Turn you into somebody You know We want to record with you mm. And Her sisters kind of still resent that, like in quite a significant way, you know. So she's she broke up the band. She broke up the band on her own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Michael Jackson style. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she's like sixty nine now, and her sister Patty, who was the sort of lead singer in in the the uh, the band, was it's sort of like. Still quite bitter. How interesting We'd have to have that to say that is delicious. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. is delicious. And and uh, Lentucky, Len who was her yes. husband, uh, is interviewed, and he, you know, they talk about the drifting apart yep. there and. How she started to do other things like she did happy Days. Pant- happy days. She did pantomime. <laughs> she did all sorts of stuff. She did a musical. I, I see, she did any. Gu- she did any. You get get your gun right yeah, yeah. Uh, it, on I can the West see why End. You might drift away. From and Len, Len was a little, well, This is what I signed up for, you know. So it's, it's
1: <laughs> there's all that element. I did sign- not sign up for pantomime. <laughs> Annie get Your gun? All right, maybe it's got yeah. guns in it, but no. It's it's really great, and
0: there's plenty of music, so you get to see like bits and pieces of, Mm. you know, Can the Can and Devil Gate Drive Mm -hmm. and all the rest of it, 48 Crash. And, Mm -hmm.
1: you know, I I think that music just still sounds great. And you know what? There's a a lot of, as you put it, heritage acts that there is a, an ironic factor that people are – like with Yacht Rock, people yeah. are enjoying it and in an ironic way they think it's kitsch and it's funny and they're kind of allowing themselves to be uncool and listen to uncool music from the past, maybe whether it's Bay City Rollers or whatever. Uh, I don't think – They're coming, you know. Yeah. Bay City Rollers are coming. <laughs> <laughs> It's basically Les McEwen. I think he's the only one who's... Just just put that over there for a sec. (laughs) Not in rehab. finish what I'm (laughs) going to say. I don't think Susie Quattro was ever like that. She was always cool Uh. and it was never an embarrassment or uncool at any point from Uh. the early 70s. She had a hit in 1982, I think, with a song called Rock Hard and another song as well that were in the very similar style, but it's not as Tom Tommy, and looked great and people loved it and it was not like a... uh, It wasn't like... You know, oh, isn't it great that she's come back? And yeah, yeah. it was still on the same It's, it's interesting, though, because you did get a bit of criticism,
0: uh, and, and this is something the film documents yep. quite well, the, the the music press in the yep. UK in particular, uh, particular early on yep. had issues with her as like this – uh, manufactured sort of poppet. Well, know, that's Chinn and, and Chapman. and Chapman, Phil right. Wayman, yeah.
1: Yeah. you know, that's that's their thing. They yeah. did that with the suite as well, yeah. you know. Yeah, and Slade. I think they wrote yeah. some songs yeah. for Slade too, yeah. didn't
0: they? I mean, yeah. they were They were they the, were the big Stock team. Aiken Waterman They were Stock of the Waterman 70s. of that moment. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And... Uh, and it's interesting that she's sort of like, she's overcome that, right? Mm. That she's sort of, there was something fundamentally authentic about her. It as, was. A, as a Like, she's there to perform. She's yeah. there to, to do, she does rock. That's <laughs> what she does, you know? Yeah. For and sure. it didn't matter that she wasn't writing the songs. In no. a way, she sort of like, she suffered from it for a period, yeah. and then she just kind of got past it. Yeah. And, yeah. and she stayed past it. Mm-hmm. And she's damn cool. Good. I, like,
1: I'll, I, I recommend this, this film. Is at the films. Uh, thank you for listening to The Clappers once again. You can follow us on Facebook. You can go to our Facebook page and you can like us and see some stuff that we've put up there. I did put up the uh, clip from Seconds, the John Frankenheimer film. Mm. I believe you can, you can look at it the, in its entirety on YouTube. Mm. That's in reference to a, a television show with Paul Rudd that we spoke about last time. Yes, so we'll be back next time.